Welcome to the Friends of Cater Podcast, episode number 100. My name is Patrick Seward. I'm the originator of the Friends of Cater Podcast, and this is the absolute first issue of the Friends of Cater Podcast. We welcome you to to the show and, and hope you get some value out of this. A little background about myself. Uh, I have a, a, a 15 years in law enforcement experience, uh, most of that concentrating on high-tech crimes and, and digital forensics at the local, state, and federal levels, uh, investigating internet crimes against children, as well as other crimes that where digital uh, evidence may be present. Uh, I have extensive training uh, both through uh, state, federal, and local uh, outlets as far as uh, digital forensics and uh, expert witness certification. Uh, currently, I'm the principal consultant at ProDigital Forensic Consulting, which is based in Richmond, Virginia, but we're available globally for whatever your needs may be. So I decided to kind of launch this podcast for uh, several different reasons. Number one, there's a little bit of a void right now. There used to be uh, several digital forensic podcasts out there, uh, but now there's maybe one or two just kind of dangling out there, uh, you know, fighting for survival. So uh, I kind of saw a little bit of a void. So I, I decided to to kind of relaunch. Uh, Forensicator podcast and and to bring the community together. It's a small community, but uh, mostly tight. And in, in that we uh, we communicate very well together. Uh, whenever issues come up of, of things that uh, are are current in in the industry, then uh, you know it it helps to have a community of of places to to bounce those ideas off of, and and get uh, current issues, topics, and and discussions out in the open. Um, it's a forum to discuss digital forensics, and and I think that's something that's uh, definitely lacking in in the field right now uh, so the format for for this episode and for future episodes uh, I foresee it at least at this point being about a 15 to 30 minute total uh, podcast so maybe it'd be nice for your work in work drive commute uh, or, or whatever the case may be maybe you're riding public transit or whatever and and you just need a, a short bit of digital forensics uh, current events to get your get your day going or winding down um, I envision uh, having several interviews with uh, heavy hitters in digital forensics uh, several of which I've already reached out to and lined up and we'll be rolling those out uh, as time goes on uh, I'd like to do the the podcast about one or two times a month because I think, you know, it, it, there's while there's a lot of different uh, current events and topics that we can discuss in digital forensics, it gets a little bit uh, daunting after a while. So, you know, one or two times a month, I think, is good. Uh, and and we I just want to value the truth above all. And, and that's what really what forensics is about. We go through and we, we find the evidence, we report the evidence and and testify about the evidence if need be. So uh, we we want to emphasis the value of truth above all and uh, and the forensic methodology and all that uh, all the capabilities and, and expanding uh, realm of digital forensics. Uh, that being said, I'd like to introduce my uh, first guest, uh, Professor Glenn Dardick. Uh, he is Associate Professor of Digital Forensics at Embry-Riddle University. Uh, he's also the President of the Consortium of Digital Forensic Specialists. Uh, he is the Director of the Association of Digital Forensic Security and Law uh, and is a Cyber Forensic and Security Consultant. Uh, Right now, I believe based out of uh, Florida, but uh, I, I initially met him uh, when he was based out of the uh, Central Virginia region, and uh, we're uh, we're oh, we're thankful to have you here, Glenn, and for you to take the time to speak with us. Um, Pleasure uh, to be here. So uh, let's let's kick it off with a few uh, few questions. Obviously, you've got uh, quite a, a biography as far as digital forensics goes, um, and including uh, several advanced degrees. Uh, so when and why did you get into digital forensics? 
basically, uh, I was contacted by an attorney uh, that knew me, and um, I had a, an eclectic background, if you would, in computers, uh, having worked for uh, IBM, uh, AT&T, um, and the the question had had come up in their case about whether or not files had been deleted. Now th this is going back like twenty years, mm -hmm. um, and you know it was easy enough to on delete files and trying to determine uh, what had happened. Um, and so really that's how I originally got into it. Uh, it was just a, a case of um, wanting to understand what had happened with the systems. Um, and it, it was it was pretty easy going uh, in general if if you knew uh, about the file systems and you know could apply some logic to determine what actually happened. Um, specifically, like for instance, in that case, there was one of the accusations that they had uh, looked at the computers and their expert had said that they had deleted ten thousand files or some ungodly number. And, and the fact that it was true, uh, but they were all system files. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the facts uh, may be true, but they're not relevant. And that is when I got uh, really involved in digital forensics. Um, I, I, I like the logic part of it. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that uh, it seems like a lot of people in the field have kind of backed into digital forensics a little bit like you described. And, and I kind of did the same thing. I was a criminal investigator at first and then kind of backed into it as far as, uh, you know, for for convenience, if nothing else, for the agency I was working for at the time. So uh, it's, it's interesting to hear how different people get into it. Um, you know, what do you think has been the biggest impact, uh, especially in the past 10 years on digital forensics, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, a, a study that's been issued or, or a particular piece of a tool or piece of software that's been put out on the market? What do you think has been the biggest impact? Well, I, I think the, the idea that it's now digital forensics instead of computer forensics may imply uh, what one of the biggest impacts are. And that is that we're not just looking at computers. We're looking at other devices, and we're looking at uh, the Internet in general. Um, Internet forensics, network forensics, uh, small device forensics. I think that's probably one of the two biggest impacts on digital forensics uh, in, in the past 10 years. Uh, there's just a, a wealth of new equipment and new operating systems and new applications that are out there. Perhaps the second uh, item that, that has a big impact on digital forensics, I think, is anti-forensics. Uh, we see systems uh, being developed now to protect privacy. It's a double-edged sword. We, you know, on the one hand, you're protecting privacy. On the other hand, you're uh, impacting uh, whether digital forensics can be uh, adequately done. So I think both of those are, are probably the two biggest impacts that I've seen in the past 10 years. Yeah, I can say that, you know, from from my perspective, when I left law enforcement and launched uh, launched Pro Digital, you know, it was, it was a big consideration, a major consideration, uh, whether or not to invest in a mobile forensic tool specifically, and then, you know, deciding which tool to invest in. So obviously, you know, the, the advent of mobile forensics and, 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 and portable digital devices and, and how everything kind of follows us now is, is really, at least from my view, been a, been a very large impact on digital forensics. I, I also got into it from the computer forensic side initially, and then it just kind of evolves some Sometimes into into mobile forensics. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about the consortium of digital forensic specialists and 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 what it's about and how that may uh, jive with and or differ from the uh, Association of Digital Forensic Security and Law? 
Well, the association, uh, the ADFSL, uh, started uh, 10 years ago and really was um, to provide an annual conference of uh, like-minded academics in digital forensics, but specifically uh, digital forensics as it relates in and of itself as well as to security and law. Um, what we find is if you're in doing digital forensics, frequently you'll have to testify in court. You're going to work with attorneys. Uh, there are things that you need to know um, about what you can and can't do. Um, you have to frequently um, consult with attorneys, uh, giving them advice as to how best to, uh, let's say, create a subpoena. Um, you know, what are you looking for? How do you make it not overly broad? So the, the ADFSL was really for research and for um, the, uh, the conference and, and a journal that we did quarterly. The consortium really was formed uh, a number of years back to gear not so much to the academic, but to the professionals, mm -hmm. uh, those people that are working with attorneys, um, uh, mostly, um, and that are, let's say, professionals in and of their own right, meaning they've uh, had to take courses, uh, they uh, have continuing education. And one of the issues a number of years ago was an effort by the uh, private investigators, different organizations, um, restricting uh, the um, digital forensic practitioners from applying their trade without becoming a PI. Mm -hmm. So you saw in the states where PIs are licensed, they wanted to license digital forensics experts as PIs. Now, you know, most of the digital forensic experts I've seen, I, I don't know that I'd want them learning how to use a gun necessarily. <laughs> um, and, you know, it, it's really, uh, especially recently, I, I think, um, looked at really as restraint of trade. Uh, you have, uh, in many states, uh, private investigators making up the board that is um, licensing PIs, and these PIs don't have a digital forensics background, yet they're going to restrict digital forensics experts from practicing unless they become private investigators. Mm -hmm. They're muddying the two areas together, uh, and I think it's a great disservice uh, in, the, in the states where that exists. Uh, in Virginia, we put in a uh, statute um, saying that digital forensics experts were exempt from PI licensing, and you see that in a lot of other states, North Carolina, for instance. Mm -hmm. However, you see other states that uh, are enforcing um, the uh, restriction uh, that digital forensics uh, practitioners can't apply their trade without first becoming a PI. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to the consortium. And we're aggressively uh, fighting that and, and increasing that effort. Um, the uh, Federal Trade Commission recently um, uh, ruled uh, against a uh, dental uh, licensing organization um, in restraint of trade um, that is very much like what's going on in the states that are restricting uh, digital forensics experts from practicing their trade. So can private practitioners, uh, you know, can they join the consortium and then uh, through that have somewhat of a voice or a, maybe even a lobbying organization to, to help, uh, you know, further the separation of digital forensics from private investigation? 
Yeah, well, we we don't want to call ourselves a lobbyist, a sure, lobbying sure. organization yet. Uh, I think that has some ramifications. However, we are uh, collecting information and providing that um, on several uh, fronts uh, through the um, organization. Uh, one of our uh, members has uh, hired uh, attorneys to look at various um, um, issues that have arisen as a result of the recent FTC case. Uh, and we're pursuing that. Um, the journal uh, is just about to release another version of an article that appeared uh, in prior years uh, that talks about which states are uh, licensing uh, digital forensics experts as private uh, investigators. Um, and so we're, we're pursuing it on several fronts. Good deal. That's a that's a great service to to people like uh, like me who I, I specifically went out when I left law enforcement to get my uh, private investigator's license just so I could potentially practice in other states. You know, but a lot of people don't have that background and don't have that ability quite so easily. So that's that's a great service. Right. Um, so what do you think has been the biggest challenge uh, or is going to be the biggest challenge facing the future of digital forensics moving forward in the next five or ten years? I think the biggest challenge in, in terms of digital forensics is, is really the anti-forensic software, number one. Um, the number two is where digital forensics is being applied. Um, digital forensics uh, in the past have uh, been applied in cases involving um, divorce, um, uh, employee theft. I think uh, probably the biggest challenge in digital forensics or, or the ability to uh, investigate an incident is really in, in cyber warfare. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, this is not so much uh, the individual practitioners, it is uh, organizations such as, you know, the, the FBI and others uh, in, in investigating um, major um, incidents that, that are affecting not just one organization, but multiple organizations. Uh, I've been involved in cases where um, an investment company, for instance, uh, had $120,000 out of their one of their uh, checking accounts go bye-bye in the morning. Hmm. And uh, working with the FBI, we were, were able to recover a good deal of it. They, uh, they did an excellent job. But, you know, we never really did determine uh, what that software was uh, that allowed them to do what they did. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you look at what's happened recently, you know, people think North Korea attacked Sony, for instance. Um, you know, trying to uh, understand that from a forensic standpoint to reverse the malware uh, and, um, you know, understand uh, is, is really going to be a challenge. You know, we're, we're dealing with very sophisticated organizations and nation states that are basically, you know, to some degree uh, waging war and other degrees um, collecting information, spying, if you would. Mm -hmm. So I think digital forensics is going to be a very uh, keen element of all of that. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, definitely, if it, if it's not already here, it's very much on the precipice and, and on the horizon for uh, for for the for the industry overall. Yeah, actually, you know, I'll tell you a little plug here. One of the reasons you mentioned I'm in Florida now. Uh, and I actually go between Florida and Virginia, but I'm down here at uh, an organization or uh, institution, Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, which has taken their 
Homeland Security um, uh, area uh, that they have at the undergraduate and graduate levels, and they've added the cyber component to it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in many programs, uh, Homeland Security programs at different colleges and universities, you know, that's the one element that's missing. In uh, talking to federal agencies, when they're looking to hire people, they're no longer focused on criminal justice majors. Um, they're focused on people that have a cyber uh, background of, of any sort. You know, the, the uh, law enforcement or criminal justice uh, degree is, is important um, in various areas. But for the federal agencies, they're looking for cyber. So we're, we've got an interesting program here. Yeah, in fact, you've seen uh, recently where the FBI has has recruited specifically for for those with cyber degrees and and even advanced degrees. You know, I found that one of the things that's a little bit challenging uh, with uh, graduate, even undergraduate and graduate level programs uh, I've seen go across the IASIS listserv and things like that are, you know, the 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 number of people like yourself that can actually speak, you know, teach these things at, a, at an accredited university um, are not very large. I mean, I'm sure you have a, a core group of people that you know about, but I've seen where, you know, the challenge comes across where, you know, a, a certain position or, or or especially a faculty type position will require either a master's or PhD in digital forensics. And I've actually seen the comment come across the listserv that, you know, who has time to pursue that when we're out working cases? And, and you know, it's, it's an interesting kind of dichotomy there. You know, we're either doing the work or getting the education. It's hard to do both at the same time, especially when it's this technical. Right. And in fact, I was a late bloomer when I got my Ph.D. I went back to get it. And right in the middle of that or towards the end of that was when I got started to get involved with the uh, digital forensics. So, um, yeah, I don't know that it works so well the other way around. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've known uh, there are a couple of folks that are pursuing master's degrees. Um, PhDs, um, you know, that's a commitment. You, you, it really is time consuming. Uh, but I think you're seeing more and more master's programs made available. And I think you're seeing a lot. We, we have an online program we're going to be rolling out next year. Uh, and you've got other universities and institutions that are doing the same thing. Um, so professionals can pursue a master's in digital forensics and do it online. It's more convenient. Uh, so I think you're going to see more and more of that. PhDs, I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. So uh, as far as either uh, – in this question is kind of geared towards uh, either a, a company and or an individual. Who do, who do you consider to be uh, currently at the forefront of digital forensics? And, and I'm not looking for a particular plug or anything like that for a company. I'm just curious to what, you know, from your perspective, you think might be uh, really uh, on the cutting edge of digital forensics these days. Who? Um, I think there are several organizations, kind of like the ADFSL and the DFRWS. Uh, there's a couple of organizations out there that, that are uh, cutting edge in, in terms of uh, uh, having conferences and getting folks out there to do um, research papers and, and promote that. Um, I don't know that I would consider anyone necessarily uh, that would be described as at the forefront um, because I, th- I don't think anyone's that far out in front of everyone else. Right. Uh, if you look at the, the major players in terms of digital forensic software, in terms of uh, computer or media, um, you know, uh, you've got uh, guidance software's uh, NKC, you've got uh, 
Access Data's FTK product. You got uh, Xway's uh, WinHex product, and and they're all good and have their strengths. But I, you know, I wouldn't consider any one of those to be hands you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. Um, you know, depending on what you're looking for, one product may be better than the other. Um, one of the recommendations that I give people that are in the field is that they should have more than one tool that does the same thing. Sure. Uh, because they are different. Um, as far as, um, you know, if you could say at the forefront, uh, I think uh, NIST is doing a good job in, in some of the analysis that they do. Um, and uh, you, you have a lot of major companies out there, uh, Mantech, uh, Mandiant, um, that, that are uh, doing excellent work. Uh, Basis, I think, is another one. Uh, you can go on and on. But, you know, to say that one's at the fore, you know, they're all at the forefront because they're all uh, getting into newer and newer things. Right. It's kind of like uh, uncharted territory for a lot of places. And, you know, I've seen, you know, I, I'm constantly impressed. And, and even though I know you pay for it, I'm constantly impressed by tools like Celebrite, who, who seem to put out updates. You know, they seem to put a lot of effort into their development, um, you know, on the back end to try to stay as much at the at the uh, at the forefront as you can especially with a with a really you know almost daily evolving trend in in mobile forensics so you know things like that i i, I find very impressive and and i i, I know it, it it's applicable across uh, multiple tools that's just one example but you know it's it, it's got to be a, a kind of a daunting task to try to reverse engineer some of these things and and stay ahead of the curve a little bit as much as you can it's almost impossible but you know it's yeah. it, it could be really uh really quite challenging well, you know, Celebrate, you know, is a good example because there are new phones coming out every day. And so, you know, they've got to keep upgrading their software, uh, not just Celebrate, Oxygen Forensics and others. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is daunting uh, to keep abreast of all that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of uh, end out the, the, the question and answer session with a little bit lighter question. Uh, so as far as your personal preference, is it Apple or Android? Uh, yes. <laughs> Good answer. You know, you know I, I tell you, I get accused, especially as a professor, uh, by students and, and others. People ask me questions, and, and most of the time it always has the same answer. And, and that answer is it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got an Android. Uh, I've got. Uh, I'm not using the Apple uh, type product. That, uh, some of my family are. Uh, my son, my wife um, use Apple products. I think, you know, a- Apple has a a, a unique um, focus on if you have one device and you have another device and you're using the same account, uh, you share that information. I think you see that with uh, Google. Uh, with, uh, you know, if you have a, a Gmail account, um, you can share information from one PC to another. So th- this concept of the cloud um, being where your information data goes through and no matter what system you're on, if they know it's you, your information comes across. Um, I don't know whether that's good or bad. Uh, from a convenience standpoint, uh, obviously it's a good thing. From a privacy standpoint, not just sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they each have their, their good points. I think, you know, Apple has been in, in the near future, uh, seems to have, um, you know, a, a large loyal following. It's it's a well-designed product. It's easy to use. Um, 
but Android's made, uh, you know, great strides in, in going forward. I think there's a price advantage with, uh, generally speaking, with Android products. Um, so it really depends on what you're looking for. Um, personally, I, I do use Android to answer your, to finally answer your <laughs> question. <laughs> well, you answered it the, 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 initially uh, the way that I was trained to answer it when I was in the uh, BSERT program down in Hoover, Alabama. An attorney came in from AOL, and she said that the best answer in digital forensics is it depends. So you're right. It does depend. And I didn't want to get Apple mad at me. <laughs> no, no, you definitely don't want them mad at you because you know that, that's the that's not good for business. That's the, not good for anybody. Right. Well, uh, I appreciate your time, Glenn. I do want to uh, give your uh, your upcoming conference a little plug. Uh, May nineteenth through twenty first, uh, two thousand fifteen, in Daytona Beach at Embry Riddle Uni uh, Aeronautical University, uh, is the ASDFL conference. Uh, the keynote speakers include uh, Craig Ball, who I've uh, recently seen speak. He's a great great presenter. And uh, I apologize if I pronounced the last name wrong, but Jeff Salyards, is that correct? Sounds good. All right. Uh, but they, they'll be, they're both keynote speakers. Any other notes you want to add about the conference, Glenn? Uh, yeah, we've got, we've got you know a, a, a real good range of topics of papers being presented and special speakers, uh, or invited speakers, I should say. Uh, we've got people coming in from all around the world, uh, the U.K., Australia, Egypt, um, Sweden, Norway, the, um, and the list goes on. I can't remember everyone. Um, but um, I'm, I'm not sure whether it's the, the venue, but uh, it seems like uh, we're going to have uh, more people than we expected this year than last year. Um, it is sunny here, and the weather is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I noticed. Uh, I noted that previous conferences were held uh, mostly in Richmond and, and a couple other venues. I'm sure uh, Daytona Beach is a little bit more of a draw. Maybe at the very least, the scenery is better. But you know, going in in terms of the content of the conference, you know, I have noticed that uh, that your conference does bring together a truly global conglomeration of of, of experts in the field, and uh, that's something that you don't really see. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm hoping that I have the opportunity to attend it in the near future and uh and and i hope that th that this year's conference goes very well for you uh, i'll give the uh, website a plug real quick too it is digital forensics hyphen conference.org and you can go on there and uh register for the conference and and check out the keynote speakers and and the other events that are going on uh during the time of the conference well thank you Yes, sir, and we appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak with us about the uh, about digital forensics in general, and uh, being our very first guest on the Forensicator podcast. Uh, if you, if you have any, uh, you want to give out your contact information if any people anybody uh, has any questions for you, anything like that. Well, if anybody wants to, con they could probably go to the website. It has the phone number and the email address and everything else. But uh, it'd be www.dartic. Dot N -E -T. So that's D-A-R-D-I-C-K dot N-E-T. Outstanding. And again, the uh, the website for the conference is Digital Forensics, all one word, hyphen conference dot org. Thank you again, Glenn, and uh, I appreciate it, and we'll be talking to you again soon, sir. Well, thank you, Patrick. You take care. Well, friends, that just about sums up the Forensicator podcast, first edition, number 100. We hope you found some interest and value in our interview with Glenn Dardick today. Please keep an eye out for future editions. We'll be working diligently on obtaining interesting guests, speaking about topical issues in digital forensics, and addressing legal tech issues in current events. Please follow us on Twitter at ProDigital, P-R-O-D-I-G-I-T-A-L, the number four, the letter N as in Nancy, and the number six. And visit our website at ProDigital4N6.com. Thanks, and keep searching. Keep searching.